This episode is for all the solopreneurs and entrepreneurs out there trying to raise their visibility in this crazy, noisy world, because I'm right there with ya. My guest today is someone I've been observing from afar for a while now. Kenya Kelly is a branding and business coach who has been blowing up on, wait for it, TikTok. She is a master of branding and building your business using TikTok. I know. If you're like me, you probably associate TikTok with your kids or with learning impossible choreography. But friends, TikTok actually just might represent one of the biggest public relations and branding opportunities we've had in a good long time. So get your coffee and get ready to meet the delightful bright light that is Kenya Kelly. Good. I love it. Okay. So Kenya Kelly, TikTok, I have a very strange relationship with. Can I tell you about that first? Yes, of course. Okay. Here's my relationship with TikTok. When I go on it, I laugh so hard I can barely breathe. Mm -hmm. My two best friends and I spent like 90 minutes just laughing. And all of a sudden you find yourself in some sort of algorithmic hole that you don't know how you got there, but it just gets funnier and funnier. So I'm either addicted to it and I lose 25 minutes to 90 minutes to it, or it's just not in my routine. Like I have to remind my, like Instagram is what I lunge for. I don't lunge for TikTok yet. So with that being the backdrop, I also know that you are blowing up because of TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. Like- Things are happening in your life. So if you could tell me and my listeners, like, how should we be thinking about TikTok? Yeah. So here's the thing. Prior to you having an addiction to Instagram, you didn't have it. You didn't know that it existed. You were on Facebook. But prior to Facebook, we were doing whatever it was we were doing. You know, Celebrity gossip. Celebrity gossip. Exactly. (laughs) And so we went from all the celebrity gossip stations to Facebook for entertainment. And then we went to Instagram for entertainment. But then as business owners, we started promoting ourselves on those different platforms. And so it's the same thing. It's just a newer app right? Now, don't get me wrong. If I don't catch myself, I will go down the rabbit hole of TikTok as well. I know one day, it was so funny, I was watching this dog video and I just laughed so hard and I kept watching it over and over and over again. And then the algorithm started showing me more stuff and I'm just dying like on the weekends to TikTok. So the beautiful thing is, is that when you look at it as a marketer, if people are addicted to that platform, then when you come on and doing what you're doing, you like, you're down the rabbit hole. I mean, I, I don't find myself being addicted to Instagram for 90 minutes at a time because I'm not laughing or engaging at that type of level. You know what I mean? But on TikTok, I can get educated, entertained, all the things and sold and a psychic hotline, you know, if I, (laughs) you know, if I stay on there long enough. So marketing wise, it's a, it's a brilliant strategy. It seems like it's more addictive than Instagram because if you're in a funny section of TikTok, you I, like I cannot believe how funny, like how hard I laugh on that platform. Yeah. Do you think it's actually slightly more addictive potential or like stickier than even Instagram and Facebook? 
Oh, absolutely. Like, okay, so it just depends on what kind of content a person likes. Like, if somebody is enraged by all the election political yeah. scandals, then they are addicted to Facebook and Twitter. You know, yeah. if you're addicted to pictures or celebrity lives and seeing the back end of their lives, then you may be more addicted to Instagram. TikTok is like, it's, it is the entertainment of all entertainment. Like if you don't want to watch a two hour Netflix video, uh, you can go on TikTok and watch 45 million of these little clips. It's kind of like Vine. You ever heard of Vine? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it was like Vine. And then it's like Instagram stories. Like I don't get as caught up in Insta stories because Insta stories is not necessarily purely entertainment, but TikTok is an entertainment app. And so it's, designed for entertainment. It's not designed for marketers, but as marketers, we get to go, okay, I can entertain and market at the same time. And so when I, you know, you have, and for my listeners, I'm going to have all of this information in the show notes, but you have a course, you've actually designed a course to teach people like me, which I have purchased it. And I'm going to be taking it after this because I wanted to hear from you first because I get to talk to you, but I bought the course. I'm super excited about it, but you're teaching people like me how to get into TikTok. Like systematically, this is what you do. If you had to boil it down to like, you know, what is the first step or shift in thinking somebody like me needs to do to get into the TikTok world? Yeah. So the first thing I would tell somebody is number one, do not look at TikTok from your kid's phone. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you do what you see on the, on their feed, you're going to be like, Oh, I am not doing TikTok because TikTok, the algorithm is giving your kid or your nephew or whomever what they want to see. So you can't do it from their phone. You have uh-huh. to download the app from your phone and then TikTok will ask you what you like. And then they will start kicking out content to you based off of what you like. Right. I'll tell you my first experience with TikTok, Kenya, was I was learning the, you know, renegade and my daughter took four hours to teach me to do it badly. And I'm like, TikTok is too hard, but that's not what you're talking about. No. What is yours? Like, describe your approach to TikTok. And people will see it when they get the show notes. But if somebody hasn't seen you before, what's your jam? Like, what's your style? Yeah. So at first, when I got on the TikTok, I was trying to learn all the hard dances. And I was getting it, right? But it was taking me way too much time out of my workday. And so I realized when people liked my comedy and my way of doing business, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take some of these easy dances and turn them into fun content to my audience, but educating. So I will do the renegade or the woe with a trending sound, but on top of the video will be text of me teaching email marketing or social media marketing. It'll, I'll be teaching. And so they'll, they'll watch me dance, but eventually they go, forget the dance. Let me see what she's talking about. And then I get all these business comments and DMS and all that because they want to hear the dance and, and the algorithm likes the, the sound, but I like to get my audience engaged with what I want them engaged with, which is my business content. Interesting. Interesting. And you've been like legit trending. Like how many followers do you have now? So I have 50,000 in three months. I have have a video I posted two weeks ago that's getting ready to hit a million views today. Oh my gosh. Yes. I probably have like 10 videos at a million. I mean, it's like, this is the number one place to go viral. I have never gone viral on Instagram or Facebook in all the years. I go viral at least once a month. No, every week on TikTok. 
And what do you attribute that to? I mean, you know, you're pretty special. You're kind of a sparkly human being. So is it you or is it technique? Like, what do you attribute this to? So one of my business coaches said, it's me, it's my sparkly personality, but I guess I could agree, but I really feel like it's a brilliant hashtag strategy because you can do all the greatest videos in the world, but if TikTok doesn't put it out to the people to see it, then who cares? You know, and so it's having good content on the video, but it's the hashtag strategy that causes you to reach all the people. And what kind of hashtags do you use? Do you use like branding, marketing? What are your go-to hashtags? Yeah. So I'll tell you about one of my videos. So one of my videos, I, I went to divorce and I talk about, I did this little cute little 15 second video. And I talked about how I was devastated by my ex-husband leaving, cheating on me. But instead of being bitter, I wrote a book. And so I started dancing and being petty in this little video. Uh, and I show my book. Well, in the hashtag, I put uh, divorced women divorced women under 30, divorced dads. And it like, and, it, and the hashtags have a million views or less on them or petty, petty ex-wife or stuff like that. And it kicks this, the video out to people just like me. And they're like, yeah, forget him. And I've sold <gasps> way more books on TikTok because of those videos. That is amazing. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And what do you think, like if you had to identify the number one myth that people like me have about TikTok? Like if you could dismantle one false thought about the platform, what would it be? Two. One is just for kids and two, it's all about dancing, right? People, if the folks that think it's all about dancing, that means that all they have seen are people's dancing videos. Mm. Right. But there's way more like categories of things on TikTok than dancing. I think I dance maybe once or twice a day now. And I put out eight videos a day. Holy mackerel. I just did a video that says things that are going to happen to you today. And it was like, eat the cookie, wear the lipstick, start the business, love yourself, say no. Right. (sighs) And that's talking to women, like encouraging them. I didn't dance at all, but it's going to reach them where they need to be reached. That is so cool. I love that. And did I invent this in my brain or did did you get a call from Netflix because you were trending so hard? Trend, hashtag trend so hard. Netflix calls me. What's the deal with that? Yeah. So I turned 39 in June and a friend of mine, like a week before my birthday said, you should do a TikTok dating campaign because you're single. And I was like, uh, I'm not really about that life, but I prayed about it. I felt like God said yes. And I was like, oh, okay. And so for seven days, I just danced. And in each video, I was said things to know about me. And I'm like talking about the things about me, the good, the not so good, what I need in a man, what I don't need a man, what are deal breakers and whatever using these certain hashtags. And I got one guy reached out to me, but that was it. No big deal. And two weeks later, Netflix emails me and says, hey, we're looking for women your age, yada, 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 whatever. And I was like, they found me on TikTok. They found me because of the hashtag strategy dating. I didn't use hashtag Netflix, but whatever, whatever hashtags they're using on videos caused my videos to get in front of them. That is amazing. That's amazing. And actually, you said something a few minutes ago that I just want to pick up on. One of the things I'm amazed by you just watching you work is how prolific you are. Like, how do you, and this is a shift I'm trying to make in my business that I've, for so long, I've been, you know, coaching only, giving talks, you know, people hire me to give talks at their conferences and, and that's all great. 
But shifting to content creator because of the podcast, because of everything else I'm doing, I'm making my own online courses, that shift is a time like your sort of perception of how your time is supposed to be used has to change. And you're so effective because you're building your business, you're doing anything, but you're also cranking out a bunch of videos every day. How do you set up your life, your schedule, so that you're shooting, you're filming, you're putting content out there as consistently as you do? Tell me. Yeah. So I used to have an extremely organized chaos life. And it was not effective for my life or for my business. And so I like started this whole dry erase board thing. I used to have like eight dry erase boards in my office. Now I have like them all like mounted in different places. But on one of my boards, it shows me this is all of what I need to be doing every single day. The content I need to put out, so to speak, like how many times. But in addition to that, every day that I come into the office, I always write down a list and it says today. And it's like all the things that I need to do in the day. But I know that the funnest thing for me to do is my TikToks, right? Or like Instagram fun videos or whatever. So I'll get to the office by 7.30. I try to do seven, but let's just say 7.30 a.m. And one of the first things I will do is I will record my TikToks, right? So before I ever get set down, I'll record four or five TikToks and I'll either post them out there or I'll put them in the drafts. Because otherwise, once I sit behind my desk, it requires me to get up and do all the things that get in front of the camera. Um, but if I put it in my drafts, all I have to do is write the caption and then post it out there. So that's mm-hmm. like the, it's a marketing thing, but it's not the most important thing in my business. But I'm like, I'd rather get that done first and let me get to the rest of the, whatever else was going on. So and I'm then like, your highest energy probably when you first get there, right? Exactly. Cause nobody's pulling on me. I'm not, I haven't opened the text messages. I haven't opened the emails or any of that. And then if, if once I finish the TikToks, I will sit down and record Instagram TVs. I'll record an Insta story. And then I record a YouTube video and all that's within like, let's say an hour, hour and a half. And I have the whole rest of the day to do branding and marketing stuff for clients, you know, but it's like, I already know that if I don't get it done early, it just ain't going to happen. You're amazing. That's amazing. And you're amazing. And do you just on your whiteboards, you just have like, these are the 10 things I'm talking about in August and I'm going to knock them out one by one. Is that how your brain works? Yep. Because if I don't do that, I won't, I won't get anything done. I am so inspired by that. I think that's just incredible. And one other thing I want to ask you about, I noticed that you are a God girl, as am I. (laughs) Yeah. I am also a God girl, but it's, uh, in fact, I was talking to another coach who's a friend of mine and we always talk about being in or out of the closet about our faith and our relationship with the higher power, whatever you want to call it. Did you make a, a conscious choice to involve your complete authentic self, including your, your religious beliefs as part of your business? Or is it something that you've eventually given yourself more and more permission to do? I'm just curious. Yeah. So years ago when I was 21 in network marketing, we were very, we were told very sternly, do not talk about God in front of the room. And I was like, oh, so I stuck with that for many, many, many years. And it wasn't until God was like, you're very manipulative and you learned it in network marketing, quit. And I was like, what? And I had to quit this company and I had to relearn how to be a salesperson. And once he started elevating me again, I was like, I had already gone through this process where I was in love with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Where like, you couldn't even, I couldn't even mask it if I tried to. Everybody could just see it and feel it. And so when I was launching the Ken Kelly brand six years ago, I had a choice. I said, okay, 
when I introduce myself on these live streams, who am I going to introduce myself as? I was like, I can't pretend like I don't talk about God and like my Facebook posts. I just, that's who I am. So I decided that every time I go live, I say, hey, I love business. I love branding. I love Jesus. And I love cats. And when I started saying that, people just go, okay, that's who she is. That's how she is. That's what we can expect. And it let me stop being the secret Christian. (laughs) Just be it. That's amazing. And how does your faith life or your prayer or meditation practice influence how you approach your day? You know, is that yeah. for, like before the TikTok videos get made, are you praying? Like, I'm so curious. Yeah. So, okay. So years ago, I didn't get up and pray at all. I was like, I just like my sleep. And one day I realized that I was not intentionally connecting with God. And my pastor's uh, wife was like, hey, you need to get up at least for 15 minutes and spend it with God. And so I started like saying, God, you got to help me wake up. It's just, I just can't get up. And one day, one of my cats that when my mom was taking care of, like, I realized he was sick. And so I said, I'm going to bring him to Houston. Well, this cat was a little ruthless. This cat would wake me up every morning at 5 a.m. clawing me to death because he wanted to eat. And so for weeks he would do this. And I realized, I think God is using this cat to wake me up for you know, to spend my time with him. so funny. And once I realized that the cat started, stopped being as crazy, waking me up. And so now every morning at 5 a.m., I get up, feed my cats, I pray, I write in my journal, and then I get my life going. That's amazing. In fact, just to riff on the journal thing for a second, I don't know how people function in this world without a journal practice. I don't. Or, or, Or some sort of meditation or prayer space. Like how on earth do people move through the day without that practice? When you're coaching, when you're coaching people, are you like first order of business, lock in your prayer life, lock in a journal practice? So it depends on what the, where I'm coaching a person. Like if a person is not going the Jesus route with me on the phone, then I won't go there unless, unless they'll let me to. But if they are that I will, I am 100% like, listen, you've got to do something. You've got to talk to God at least every day. You've got to write this stuff out, whether it's in your notes, in your journal. And I tell them about my, 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 my process of things, but I don't like, I don't force it. Now, one day my job, my goal is to have my own journals like that I can sell. And I think that when I have my own journals, I'll be able to get more people journaling because I will, they'll be buying it because of me, but I'm actually, they're getting it because of themselves. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. So actually, so one final segment I want to ask you about Kenya and, you know, the way I found you was I participated in the muted week where I muted myself as a white voice and I went out searching for new teachers that were people of color that didn't look like me. And I, I pulled out, I was pretty ruthless about it. Like if I was, if some of the teachers I were following weren't vocalizing and being, weren't either muting or being a part of the solution, I unfollowed them. And suddenly my Instagram feed transformed. And I followed hashtag Elevate Melanated Voices. I found, I have found the most incredible teachers that way. And you were one of the voices I found. Wow. And it's, I feel it's such a, it's just a richer experience. And I found these new teachers. Having said that, I noticed that during that time period, you were pulled out of talking about TikTok and into talking about your experience as a woman of color 
in this world as a black woman and how now you're having to talk about civil rights and equality. What has that been like for you to sort of straddle two different themes in your life, you know, because one is very playful and joyful and the other is like, can we freaking finally talk about this and get real with each other? How has that been for you? Yeah, honestly, it's been, it's a very unique experience. Well, one, I've always been the the black one that all the non-black people come to and ask questions to. I've kind of always done that. I've just always done it in private. And so during the time when everything happened with George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor and all that, like not only are, am I having these private conversations, but I'm dealing with my own fears because I no longer live in Houston, which is super multicultural. I'm in Redding, California, which is 900 black people out of a city of 100,000. And so I'm like, I'm having this like battle with like, is somebody going to egg my car? Is somebody gonna like say someone walk down the street? And so dealing with all my own fears of like living in this new city, having people like watching people on social, and I'm going, Kenya, you gotta just say something. You gotta talk about your experience. And so it was very challenging for me to go out on my social platform and say, hey, listen, I fear death too. Like, this is what I have dealt with on a regular basis. This is what I've dealt with over the last six months in the city that I live in. And this is just what I'm telling you on the surface. It was very challenging um, to go from being the the happy, motivational entrepreneur to the real Black person afraid of death, (laughs) you know? So that was very hard. But then when I started watching people like Shalene Johnson and Amy Porterfield and even what was happening with Marie Forleo, everybody was like going after her. I was like, okay, so I've got some options, but I didn't know what to do. And Shalene reached out and said, hey, I want to interview you. And that was my first opportunity. And from there, I said, huh, what if I asked her to do it more, but on a bigger scale on her platform? And she said, yeah. And watching how people responded to me just being raw and honest, obviously it gave me way more opportunities and it made me go, hey, so you don't have to choose. You don't have to choose being an advocate for black people or your business you, or Jesus. It's, it's all a part of you. Like if somebody looks at you, they can tell you're black, right? If somebody asks you personal questions about life or whatever, they will know, but I don't have to not say it. That's like just, I think it was yesterday. I posted on Facebook, FYI, black people are still dying, even though you're not hearing about it. You know, because it's kind of like, hey, just because I talk about it anymore, it's still happening. And I didn't feel this twinge of I'm going to lose business if I say this. I felt like, hey, no, this is me saying, hey, I'm in the midst of happening. Good things are happening, but this is still happening. So don't forget, keep praying because this is still an issue. So it was it was unique. I can't even imagine. I mean, in some ways, did you feel grateful is the wrong word, but do you feel more integrated as a voice? Like you've got all the parts of yourself that you're now putting out into the world versus just one side. Is that, is there any upside to this whole nightmare that, that, that has been playing out? Yeah. Well, it's been amazing. You know, I've always been one that tells white people, Hey, stand up, but also tells black people, Hey, you don't get to be mad at white people. You get to have conversations with them. If, if we're going to come together, you got to come down off your thing and they got to come down off theirs and we got to talk. So I felt like it was the first opportunity for me to be like extremely vocally passionate about what I've been doing all these years privately, where white people or non-people of color could hear me go, Hey, we're with you, but this is real. I'm, you know, and then black people could hear me say, Hey, you want them to help us, but you got to just 
you can't be angry and stuff. You got to come down off that because they can't talk to you when you act in a fool, you know? So it was kind of like, I could, I didn't have to hide what I was doing in private that people could know. Yes, this is, this is King and she's always been that way. And this is what we can expect from her. That's amazing. That's amazing. Are you noticing, is there any signs of progress? Just not like nationally because nothing, I feel like everything has changed and nothing has changed. But do you feel as you're talking to people, as you're out on social media, as you're out creating content, are you noticing any awakenings? Is anything getting better in in the circles of white people that you see? Are they getting more aware? Yeah, I think that the moment that they saw George Floyd die was like there was a moment of awakening. I felt like everybody that was secluded and quarantined went, did he just die? Is he like dead? I think they had a moment of maybe black people aren't lying. I think the whole world had a moment of, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And that's why people protested in all different countries, talking about China and all, I mean, people like where no black people in sight, all these folks out there protesting because people became awakened to this is an issue. Like when I watch, I mean, there's so many things that have happened, but I watched the commissioner, I think it was for the NFL apologize and go, Hey, we didn't know. We didn't realize that Colin Kaepernick was kneeling because of this. We thought he was being disrespectful and he apologized. Like, That blew my mind. I was like, first of all, you don't, you know, listen, commissioner of the NFL, good, but you don't get to say you didn't know that's why he was kneeling. He was so freaking clear about why he was kneeling. But you're right. To me, the NFL thing was the most, it signaled some kind of big cultural change because it went from such a political ideological issue to like, whoa, time out. Yes. This is not okay. So that's, right. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad really to hear understood. that. I, you know, when I look at what was happening, I said to myself, okay, if, if let's just say white people, if they all watch Fox News, mm-hmm. then the, their skew of black people and the issues is based on Fox News. If you are black and you only watch CNN, then your world is skewed by CNN. But I think that what ended up happening, like, I felt like he was hearing the things, but I don't think he was totally understanding the things or believe or believing the things that they were, they were saying. But I think that the moment that they saw George Floyd die was like, hashtag George Floyd, hashtag this. And they're like, we had no idea. I think it was a, I think it was a moment of everybody's like, okay, we've been lied to. We've been, we've, we are, we have some racism in our, that's right. (laughs) It reminds me of in Harry Potter when Voldemort comes back and nobody believes that Voldemort's back. And then finally they see Voldemort. They're like, Oh, I guess he's back. It was like, That was our moment in the Ministry of Magic. Like, we can't deny that we're racist in this country and that there's a system of white supremacy. It's been recorded. Yeah. But it's it's hard to recognize your own prejudice until until it happens. You know, like, you just don't know. It's like, I think Shalene had asked me, what are some of the things that you have? And I said, well, let me ask a white person, how would you feel if your prized possession daughter, and she's got all A's, she's blonde, she's beautiful, brings home a big black man? I was like, what immediately happens in your mind? And I was like, don't say it out loud, but you have to ask yourself, how does that make you feel? And as black people, your prized possession son, who's got all A's, he's going to Harvard, brings home this Indian girl or this blonde girl or whatever. What is your immediate feeling or response? That will tell you what's going on with you. And people don't want to admit it, but 
people dealing with that stuff. And That's this exactly. thing made it, woof, made it, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the more, the biggest things that I think is positive is that we, to your point, we now realize that white supremacy isn't a bunch of skinheads with swastikas. Nope. It's inside of us or, you know, whatever it is, it's in here. It's in each of us. Yeah. It's not out there. And yeah. as soon as we realize that, you're right. That's that's where the progress is. So thank you for indulging me on that front because I just, I think it's fascinating when people get made into spokespeople for things they never intended to become spokespeople for, you know? Yeah. And I just thank you for all the work you've done on that. So getting back to TikTok and Instagram for a second, I want to just kind of close out with one tip. One, if you were to give somebody like me one strategy to just get over the hump and Obviously, step one is buy the course because it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Step two, how do we what's the how do we get over the fear and the inertia? Yeah. So honestly, the only way to conquer fear is to go through it. And so a person is gonna have to go on TikTok and just create a video and just bomb it, right? Oh god. Um, or or if a person isn't ready to buy the course, go to YouTube and type in how to create a TikTok and watch some YouTube tutorials because you're never going to get good at it until you try it. But I'd say do it now because like there is a tipping point that is happening with TikTok. Like people are talking about the China and, and USA issue. And if Microsoft or Apple are able to buy TikTok and TikTok does not get banned and they stop dealing with the restriction or the data issues, then what's going to happen is the mainstream media is going to start pushing out TikTok, get TikTok, get TikTok. And when that happens, it's going to become overflooded with people in a good way. But you could be on the front end of it if you go ahead and start now before before it happens. Because, I mean, every single social media app has had its day in court, its day in, with issues. But those that were early adapters are the ones that are, like, going to take off. And so I say get on there and just get over it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do it. This is my commitment. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to give myself, when I first started doing Instagram stories, which now are, like, that's my jam. Like, I exactly. love Instagram stories. The first few I did, super awkward. It's just part of the deal. Like I am hereby giving myself permission to be kind of awkward. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just going to go for it. Yes. And you just never know what's going to blow up. There was a, a white lady on, I think she's like 50 or 60 and she did the Karen dance. Did you hear about that? <laughs> so she got on there and she just started, she like did like, she started making fun of all the different white women that have called the police on black people. And, but she's done like hand motions and dances with it. This lady's video has been viewed like probably 30 million times. And she was just in front of a little camera doing what she thought was funny. And Kaboom. That is astonishing. Yes. That's crazy. Those numbers are crazy numbers, Kenya. Every time you tell me those numbers, I'm like, and I'm hustling for a couple thousand likes. Like, what? What? Yes, yes. And like, because my, my Instagram account is blowing up because in all of my videos, I write in there, follow me on Instagram. So hundreds of thousands of people that are on the platform, I'm watching. I wake up in the morning. This morning, I woke up to 30 new followers on Instagram. I was like, what happened? I'm like, Kenya, don't forget, you got these viral videos on TikTok and you're telling them to follow you. They're just doing what you say. But I, it took me forever to get 5,000 followers on Instagram. Now it's just, doop, 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 doop. it's just going crazy. You are so inspiring. I mean, you're just so inspiring. Okay. I mean, thank you. Thank you're you welcome. for that. 
Isn't she just a delight? So, you know, to follow up, that was recorded a a few weeks ago. And I will tell you, I have made some TikTok videos. And I'm Bronwyn SJ, like San Jose, at TikTok. So when you go on there, check me out. But here's what I know, you guys. And this is true across every aspect of everything I've ever done. Everything we do involves a little bit of an awkward period. And if you head over to TikTok, you can watch me be awkward. Because you guys, sometimes we got to get comfortable with the awkwardness, right? So if the thing that is holding you back from building your brand and getting more visibility on TikTok is fear of awkwardness, get over it. It's okay to be awkward. It's okay to not know how to do something. That's how we learn. That's my mantra in this life is I am not afraid of awkwardness. I am afraid of not doing the thing that my soul wants to do. And my soul wants to play on TikTok. So there you have it, my friends. Shine on you crazy diamonds. I'll see you next time.